0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. Here again is Dan Loney. Welcome back. Hour number two of Knowledge at Wharton on Sirius XM 111, Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. Recently, the head of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Dr. Robert Redfield, was called out by congressional leaders for the salary he was collecting. $375,000. Dr. Redfield, who is a respected HIV and AIDS researcher from the University of Maryland, agreed to have his salary cut as to not cause further angst over the topic. His salary was higher than his predecessors because of something called Title 42, which allows agencies to pay more for certain executive hires coming out of the private sector. It allows agencies to compete for top talent when the public sector can't really match pay. And it, again, contribute, uh, continues the discussion of executive pay in general, but this time in the public sector. Joining us to discuss that, Mark Hodak, who's an adjunct professor of business ethics at NYU, and he's also a partner at the Fariant Advisors. Mark, great to have you with us right now. Thank you. Thank you. So when you hear this story about Dr. Redfield and the salary he was receiving, what's your reaction to the, to the uh, reaction, I guess I should say, of Congress?
1: Well, my first reaction is that it's, you know, it's hard enough to get, uh, you know, private sector talent, you know, very high level talent for responsible jobs to join the government. And, um, you know, the worst nightmare for anybody in the private sector is to end up, in, you know, to, to, to give up whatever they're get, getting in the private sector, go work for the government and then end up in a scandal. So I think that my high level uh, reaction is that it's going to make it a little bit harder for uh, government to attract good people um, when something like this is liable to get them on the front page of the newspaper.
0: Can you share a- any any insight on this Title 42? I, I mean, from what I understand, this is something that Congress enacted a few years ago, which I, I makes it a little bit ironic that Congress is now complaining about the fact that uh, that Title 42 is being used in some cases.
1: Well, I think that um, you know the idea behind Title 42 was to make it more competitive, especially for senior technical positions, to attract the talent that we'd like to have uh, in in high-level American uh, government jobs. Um, you know, the fact that Congress enacted it and they had an intent in and in what they were trying to do, and now we're getting you know pushback from Congress. I think most people know better than to expect consistency out of politicians on uh, any range of matters. But, you know, I think their heart was in the right place. They wanted to try to get the best public servants that we can for the American people. And uh, everyone, um, you know, who deals with senior uh, officials going from the private sector to the public sector knows that they're taking, you know, 50, 70, you know, 80 percent pay cuts to do so. And, you know, the idea behind the, the, the law was to expand the pool of people that we couldn't get for those positions.
0: Well, and not only expand the pool, but also expand the talent itself. You alluded to that before uh, with somebody like Dr. Redfield and the research that he has done on HIV and, and AIDS. Uh, he seemingly is somebody that I, I, I would assume is is pretty well respected in the medical community.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, you know, exactly the kind of person that um, that you'd want to have in that job. He, you know, is obviously not necessarily the only person that would be qualified for that role, but I think that the judgment was made that he was the best person that they could get for, for that role at this time. And they were competing against the fact that he, you know, has got a professorship and he's got an institute where he's making plenty of money and, um, you know, to some extent – You can depend or rely on people's, uh, you know, willingness to take time out for public service. And to some extent, you can also rely on the fact that they know they're going to get some cachet out of being like the head of the CDC, but only up to a point. And uh, in his case, you know, he probably made it known that he was willing to do this at a price, and they met his price using Title 42, and, you know, now they're having a controversy about it.
0: We are talking with uh, Mark Hodak, who is an adjunct professor of business ethics at NYU and also a partner at Ferry and Advisors. Your comments are welcome at 844 Wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six, Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. I find it interesting that... Uh, Mark that you know we've had these conversations about executive pay in general. Obviously, most of it being uh, in the private sector up until this point. This is, I think, it's one of really the first times we've we've had this discussion about the public sector. Correct?
1: Um, you know, we had uh, similar conversations. I think with um you know when the banks were essentially being federalized in 2008 2009 that you know there were going to be limits on how much they could make there because they were essentially under federal supervision if not you know if not government control but um yeah this is the first time I can remember at least a long while that uh that we've had a controversy about how much we're paying a, a public official I do recall the about 20 years ago, there was a bonus that was being paid out to the postmaster general um, and several of his uh, direct reports that caused a lot of controversy. I think any time that government officials are paid outside of the bands, if you will, um, you're you're definitely subject to some, to some controversy.
0: Charles Elson also joining us. Uh, Charles is a chair in corporate governance and uh, also a finance professor at the University of Delaware. Charles, great to talk to you again
2: to be back with you as well
0: thank you so give us your reaction on this story with with dr redfield the head of the cdc and the salary he was receiving and the calls to cut it
2: you know it's uh it's interesting uh you've seen this before, as was mentioned, actually the last time I, I remember this was being discussed was the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board, where the members there are compensated really uh, way beyond actually the number that he, this this gentleman was going to be compensated under. Uh, PCAOB, which oversees the accounting profession, recruits you know former accountants and whatnot onto its board, the lawyers and whatnot, and to get the best talent, they basically went off the government rate to a different pay scale, and it's significantly higher. Uh, you heard a little grumbling about it initially when it was set up, uh, but frankly I think those numbers have remained in place and they get they get good talent. I mean, it. it look, when you go work for the government, you're going to take less than you would in the private sector. That's clear. The question is how much less, and in this case, obviously uh, his salary, even at the level – that they were promoting was less than he was getting at the University of Maryland and and remember he's an academic this isn't a uh, high-flying CEO this is someone who's a researcher at a medical school in Maryland doing apparently quite successful research and that's what you have to pay so in this case to recruit this individual obviously they went for a higher uh, gave him a higher scale if you look at it it isn't dramatically a higher scale if you will uh, and the question is, you know, as a non political appointee, you know, what should he be getting? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's an, uh, the Secretary of Labor is a political appointee. Or Secretary right. of HHS is a political appointee. Someone who runs for the Senate is a, is a politician. This individual is being brought for their expertise. And obviously, he's getting paid less
1: than he obviously did at, at Maryland.
0: Well, and, and, go ahead, Mark. No, I didn't raise my voice. Oh. That
1: I, I would just say that um, the only thing I would add, uh, you know, Charles makes a lot of good points, but um, I would say that yeah, technically this is not a political appointee, but um, but the CDC is not an entirely apolitical uh, organization, it, it, it not not by intent within the organization, but it is uh, an organization that has had political um, you know discussions or controversies around it in the past, and I, I'd say that part of the reason that the PCAOB uh, pay debate got uh, kind of settled down. Was that those appointees truly are not political, um, and and it's very difficult for to imagine, you know, a senator or, or a representative having some animus against partic- particular appointees of the PCAOB. But it's a lot easier to envision where they might have some. Uh, you know, some political, uh, you know, opposition or, or, or thoughts with regards to a CDC appointee. Well,
0: because. It- um, Yeah. And Charles, as you were coming on with us, uh, Mark mentioned the fact that, you know, obviously there's there's a little bit of a difference when you're talking about somebody that is working for a government agency in comparison to to the private sector, where, you know, the numbers in terms of budget and and spend are are scrutinized heavily. And it makes me think that even though it was the Congress that passed the Title 42, we are going to see quite a a number of. Of deep dives by people on Capitol Hill as to how this Title 42 is actually being used and where these uh, situations of hiring out of Title 42 are actually uh, actually occurring at this point.
2: Oh, you're pro- I think you're probably right. It's become a political football. I just think in this particular instance, it's a little harder to make a case uh, on this individual. <clears throat> a, the, you know moving from academe here at a you know pretty significant cut. Uh, that 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 on the other hand, you know where he was being paid and where he's going to end up being paid, is not all that big a difference. And I think that uh, and obviously this is this is, an, this is a uh, a scientist. I, you know, I it's a I just think it's a weaker argument to, in my view for Congress to make. But you know, again, it's all politics now. No matter what uh, what, what what position you're in, what party you're happening in, someone else is going to make a uh, call. Uh, against you now. The interesting thing on the competitive rates is how are competitive rates set in the private sector. Right. In other words, if you're talking about a CEO who's compensated on peer groups, you know, which are basically how other CEOs are compensated, that I think you have an argument for. But I don't think any government agency is ever going to pay a CEO even close to what the quote unquote competitive rate was outside but looking merely at competitive rates for CEOs i've always thought it's a little problematic because it's uh, those are salary schemes that frankly are related to how other CEOs are paid as opposed to how pay is meted out in the organization and sometimes can be gamed but in this case the use of, of the title here doesn't strike me as being uh, that far out of whack. But again, if you look at where the opposition is coming from in this heavily politicized environment, uh, you're, you're going to get this. And in the end, does that mean ultimately that non-politicians, but scientists or you know, experts in their field are going to be reluctant to go into government service, the reluctance to be embarrassed like this? And at that point, as a country, we're really in, in the soup far as I'm concerned.
0: Well, and Mark, I I happened to look at uh, uh, a couple of websites before we we did this uh, show today. And, you know, it's being used, obviously, by the CDC. I saw it being used by the NIH. It seems like the medical community is really an area where it is being used to this point. But as you said before, there are going to be situations where it's going to be hard to find the right person for the salary that Uh, that the government is willing to pay at least what what their rate would be and it it does require at least uh, the the potential of having an adjustment possibility there if need be
1: yeah i think that you know charles uh, i mean like i made a good point um reiterating what i said earlier that the you know the. Getting people to go to the government is difficult enough given the toxic environment in Washington and the, and the possibility that you can get tied up into a scandal. And, you know, NIH and CDC, unfortunately, or I should say for better or worse, are not immune to scandal. And, um, you know, it's going to be hard enough to, to, to get people to, to give up, you know, whatever money they're getting, even if they're being paid the same amount. So, you know, the the dollars here are probably not the main consideration. I think the the main consideration is, you know, people are willing to to go into government service at high positions, in part for public service reasons, in part because it helps their reputation. They can make a lot more money afterwards, you know, after they leave the government, having been the head of the CDC or being, you know, an assistant secretary or whatever. Um, but the downside is that they could get um, you know wrapped up in scandal, and they have to deal with the politics. And you know who wants to do that? You, you know you have to compensate them for, for, for doing that. The pay is part of it, um, and so the pay does have to you know do, does have to be reasonable. Charles? Yeah, no, I, I agree. It has to be related
2: to services rendered, and clearly, you do get a benefit. You know, outside once you leave the CDC for running the CDC. Um, but I mean, I, again, you're talking about is this number the 300,000 or so thousand outrageous in terms of salaries generally, and, and certain salaries in medicine and governmental salaries. And honestly, it, it, you know, running an agency like that, it to me is high. But it doesn't strike me as uh, uh, as someone would say outrageous, and then I think that it, it, it's a, it's again almost a mountain out of a molehill. Right. This particular circumstance. Uh, again, if it were a political appoint appointee heading a clearly political agency, that seems to be a different story. But a scientific ex, expert in AIDS research coming coming out of Maryland. Where he had was quite highly compensated there, and by the way, you got to remember his compensation in Maryland. Maryland's public institution, then they're subject to right. the same limits as well. And he takes, I'm sure, federal grants, which had contained the same level of scrutiny in in what you're doing and how you're doing than than not. And so, I, I just find this is, if you want to make a case uh, against this this regulation. I just don't know if this is the best one to do it. I I would hate to, you know, I, I don't think if I were in the Senate. Uh, I would want to die on this particular hill.
0: Well, right, that's, that's and, and, and my thoughts were exactly on that line as well. Are we going to start seeing, uh, you know, compensation of of uh, of professors at, at public institutions being called on the carpet, Charles? Uh, you know, are we going to see? Uh, um, yeah, you're at the University of Delaware. Are we going to see your compensation called on the carpet for the work you do there at the University of it, Delaware? It,
2: it would it would be a very threadbare carpet. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. i wish our our university of maryland (laughs) well
0: that's true but mark it is i mean it is a it is a valid point that again you know this is seemingly a political football that is being put into play here but overall the the idea of executive compensation is still one how, how much does it need to be looked at whether it be in the public sector or the private sector in your mind
1: well you know i think that uh you know um in the private sector, you have the market driving uh, compensation pretty much. I you know uh, Charles and I have a little bit of a disagreement about you know the degree to which CEO pay is driven by market forces versus um, you know non market forces but but I think that on the whole in the private sector, you know people get paid pretty much what, what you need to pay them in order to get get, get them to, to the positions. I, I, I deal in multi-million dollar pay packages. Um, every month, I have people walking away from those packages because they have alternatives. Um, right. the, the fact about government is, you know, we don't have competing government-paid packages. It's not like you know, some secretary of state can choose between being you know, secretary of state for France versus the United States. It's a totally different situation. You know, the government you're looking to get people to work out of a sense of uh, a public duty, and you're getting people to basically step outside of their their normal, you know, jobs as professors or as executives to to, to perform that duty, uh, and and everyone understands that the government's always going to pay less. I mean, in 1932, you know, Babe Ruth was famously famously negotiating his salary, and he was asking for, uh, I believe, about eighty thousand dollars a year at that time, and a commentator or a sports reporter says, "Well, wow, Babe, that's more than the president of the United States makes." <laughs> Um, And his quip, of course, was, well, I had a better year than he did. But I think it highlighted the fact that, you know, everybody understands that public service is not going to pay as much. You're going to do it for other reasons.
0: 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. Or if you like, send us a comment on Twitter, at BizRadio111, or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. I I guess then the the, the next question, Charles, is what do you think is, is the future of Title 42?
2: Oh, I think it probably remains, because if you get rid of it completely, you are there are going to be specialty positions that you're going to have to pay more than, quote, standard government rates, uh, whether scientific, techn- technological, uh, technical, and uh, I think they'll be posturing on it. There always is, but at some point, it probably remains. You've got to have a safety valve, if you will, to enable you to bring highly specialized people in. I mean, I, I've, I've been long a critic of CEO pay, and uh, very... Uh, Particularly pay based on quote uh, phony market forces, if you will. Uh, but I think there the market there is a market in pay in, in many industries, for many individuals, and I, I think the competitive market does determine that individual's value. And if the, the government wishes that individual's service, while it will be discounted from their private sector value, you still have to you know they obviously achieve a lifestyle or income needs, and they're going to request or require it. Uh, before they move and you need the talent you're going to have to pay it That's why I think the safety valve is, is appropriate And it will survive but it will get banged up a little bit uh, the, the key is I think is where people's pay is not related to market forces You know or, or if you will peer groups that aren't appropriately designed and, 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 and operating But again you know that's, that's a debate uh, of, between us for, an, for another day and another time uh, on this one, though, I do, I think the thing probably survives ultimately.
1: Mark, um, I don't have any. I think unusual insight into the, the you know, the politics of Title 42. I, I generally, uh, I, I think I have to agree with Charles on the likelihood that it's going to survive. I think in Washington, people are just going to find political reasons to to, to, to raise. Um, you know uh, to, to raise hackles, and this is just another way of doing it. I think that like everything else we're seeing in Washington too, there's gonna to be a lot of Sturman uh, drawing about um you know this particular position, this particular person's pay and It'll subside, and they're not going to really do anything about it at at the end
0: of the day. But then again, you know the the approach that Dr. Redfield took on this, Charles, is probably a pretty good one. In the fact that you know he understands that uh, it seems like he understands that this is a political football, and he has basically said, "Look, cut my pay so I can just go back and do my work." At this point,
2: yeah, he made he made the right decision. He's right. He he, he basically removing the issue, (laughs) so. Uh, I, I think he, he he he's in a uh, he's a scientist, but he has a good political sense. <laughs> that was a that was a pretty smart thing to do. Uh, he you know he'll take a cut you know take a little less for the years few years he serves, and he goes back and he goes back to his normal scale. But you know I think he did the right thing. I think it's a smart thing. I mean, and I think he would have frankly been justified if he said no. But the smart thing. Is to is to take the cut and move on and remove remove the uh, argument altogether, and I think that 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 title probably lives to uh, vex a uh, Republican or Democratic senator another day.
0: And, and, and Mark, I can I can imagine what had would have been the conversation if he had said no. Uh, that you know this would have become a just a a, a a a bigger story than it probably should have been, but it was going to continue on for a while because that seemingly is the nature of what we're seeing in Washington these days
1: yeah I mean, look, as I said before, um one of the major real compensation that you're getting from being a senior uh, political appointee or a senior appointee in a in a in an important job is a reputational benefit, and um you know at least as much as what you're getting nominally paid in dollars. and the worst thing that can happen. Um, is your reputation gets dragged through the mud at the end of it all. And he's, I think, the most expedient and real and, you know, intelligent thing to minimize the reputational risk that he's taking by uh, going into this job. I mean, obviously, he would have preferred to have gotten the title and the experience and the pay. But, um, you know, he, he, he knows he's realized now he can't get all three of them without, uh, you know, without, Um, A dangerous risk to his reputation, which is going to be far more costly to him than whatever he's giving up in salary if he doesn't resolve this very quickly.
0: Thank you both for joining me today. Charles, is always great to talk to you. Mark, great to have you on the show. All the best to you both. Thank you very much. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.